The previous Mishnah taught that for the Rosh Chodesh of the months of Nisan and Tishrei, witnesses who saw the Rosh Chodesh moon would be allowed to even violate Shabbos, if need be, in order to arrive at the Sanhedrin, at the major basin who sat by the Beis HaMikdash, in order to testify that they saw the Rosh Chodesh moon, and Rosh Chodesh would be declared on that day, which would be the correct day. The Mishnah also taught that during the times of the Beis HaMikdash, one would be able to violate Shabbos during all of the months in order to come and testify about Rosh Chodesh. This is learned from a Pasuk. However, this Mishnah places a limitation on when Shabbos can be violated, although this is subject to dispute. According to the first opinion, whether the moon was seen very clearly, whether it was not seen so clearly, the witnesses can violate Shabbos in order to arrive at the basin and testify that they saw the Rosh Chodesh moon. However, Rabbi Yaisi says, if it was seen extremely clearly, then it is forbidden to violate Shabbos in order to arrive at the base then. The reason being that since it was seen so clearly, for example, there weren't clouds in the sky, and it was seen very high up, so one can easily assume that it was also seen in Yerushalayim where the base then were. And so anybody who is very near to the base then could come as a witness, they probably also saw the moon. And so the testimony of somebody else who lives further away, and would thus need to violate Shabbos in order to arrive there, would not be necessary and therefore he is not allowed to violate Shabbos, because it's extremely unlikely that his testimony will be needed at all. Now, the main form of violating Shabbos which we are talking about is the prohibition to travel beyond the Tuchum Shabbos, which is the maximum 2,000 Amos distance, beyond which one is not allowed to travel on Shabbos or Yontav. And so if somebody saw the moon far away from Yerushalayim, he would need to violate that law in order to arrive in Yerushalayim by the Beistin. And so, according to Yosef, if it's seen extremely clearly, then your testimony will probably not be needed, and therefore you cannot violate Shabbos in order to arrive there. The Tanakama argues, firstly, because it could be that your testimony will indeed be needed, it might be very unlikely, but at the end of the day, there still is a possibility, either that nobody else saw it, or that they did see it, but they aren't necessarily valid witnesses, and so although it's very unlikely, since there is a possibility that you'll be needed, you can still violate the Shabbos in order to arrive there. Now, an additional reason for the Tanakama will be explained in the following Mishnah, Mishnah Vav, via a story, There was a story which once happened, that more than 40 pairs of witnesses were passing by, and were going to understand that it was on a Shabbos, and more than 40, 40 witnesses were walking beyond the Tachum in order to arrive at the large basin. This was after the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, so one assumes that it must have been either the Rosh Chodesh of Nisan or Tishrei, because once the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed, those were the only two months for which witnesses were allowed to violate Shabbos. But before they reached the basin, the Ikvon and Rabbi Akiva Balud. Rabbi Akiva stopped them in a place called Lud, and he told them to go home. He said, you won't be needed from the fact that there are 40 witnesses here. That must be that the moon was seen very clearly. It must be there aren't so many clouds. And so by the basin, they also would have seen it. And so your testimonies are probably not necessary, and therefore you should stop violating Shabbos in order to get there. However, Shalach Rabbi Gamliel. Rabbi Gamliel sent a message to Rabbi Akiva, and Rabbi Gamliel was the head of the Beistin, and he told him that the reason why you should not send them home, rather you should allow them to continue violating Shabbos in order to arrive there, is because in Ma'akib Atos Arabim, if you stop the public from coming now, all these witnesses who are on the way to giving testimony, if you stop them from coming, then it will emerge that you are causing them to stumble in the future, because in the future when it's not so clear, 
and they do see the moon, they'll think, ah, last time we were told to go home again, we're not needed. There'll definitely be other people who saw it and we're not needed, and they'll end up not coming at all. And it could be that in that case, they were the only ones who saw it, and they were necessary. And so to prevent that occurring, Sedram and Gamliel, you should never turn them back, and you should allow them to continue violating Shabbos to get to the base then, so that they do not return home upset, and end up not returning in the future. Mishnah Zayin, according to the Torah, the strongest form of evidence which there is are witnesses, and thus in many areas of Torah law, two witnesses are required to ascertain that something occurred, or that a particular fact is true, and the same applies for Kiddush HaChodesh. That in order to declare the Rosh Chodesh, two witnesses are required to come to the basin and state that they saw the Rosh Chodesh moon. Now, one of the halachas which applies to these two witnesses, just like in all other areas where two witnesses are required, are that they are invalid if they are kravim. If either the witnesses are related to each other, or if any of the witnesses are related to somebody who they are testifying about, so they would be an invalid witness. So, of course, when it comes to Kiddush HaChodesh, they are not testifying about a particular person. However, if the two witnesses themselves are related to each other, then they would not be able to testify together with each other. However, of Uvenoi Shiroh a father and his son, who see the new Rosh Chodesh moon, that small part of the moon which is light- lit up, and has begun to grow larger again, because it's the beginning of the month, Yelchu, they should go to the basin in order to testify that they saw the Rosh Chodesh moon, and this is even if it requires violating Shabbos. Oh, but surely we said that Kravim, relatives, are invalid to testify together. So the Mishnah explains, Lashem it's Tarfin it's not that they would join together and testify together. Ella, rather, why should they go? That if one of them becomes invalid, if they find out that he is an invalid witness for a different reason, for example, he has violated certain Averis, so then it's The second witness would join together with somebody else. If, let's say, somebody else arrived at Basin, but they saw the Rosh Chodesh moon by themselves, without anybody else. So two witnesses are needed to declare the Rosh Chodesh moon. So one of the relatives, one of the son or the father, or any other set pairs of relatives, they would join together with this other individual. So now you would have two witnesses who are not related, and they would testify that they saw the Rosh Chodesh moon. Now Rabbi Shimon argues, and Rabbi Shimon holds, that Kiddush HaChodesh is an exception to the rule that relatives are invalid witnesses. Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon says, of a father and his son, and all other pairs of relatives, they are valid to give testimony about the Rosh Chodesh moon. And interestingly, Rabbi Shimon learns this from the Posuk, where Hashem is talking to both Moshe and Aaron. Says Hashem, Hashem told Moshe and Aaron, This month will be for you. And he goes on to, to command them about the mitzvah of Rosh Chodesh. Now Rabbi Shimon learns from these words that Hashem was telling Moshe and Aaron that the Rosh Chodesh would be able to be declared by you two. That in a case where you two were to come as witnesses and say that you saw the Rosh Chodesh moon, that would be considered valid. Now Moshe and Aaron were brothers. And so says Rabbi Shimon, you see that Eidos HaChodesh, the testimony about the Rosh Chodesh moon, is valid with Kravim. The Chachom argue, and they interpret the Posuk not to mean that you two would work as witnesses together, but rather that the Beistin, who would declare the Rosh Chodesh, they would need to be made up of people like you and Moshe and Aaron, who are great righteous people in Torah. On Rabbi Yaisi, said, There was a story which once happened with Tuvia the doctor, that he saw the new Rosh Chodesh moon whilst he was in Yerushalayim. 
It was him and his son and his non-Jewish slave who he had freed. Those three people saw it together. And the halach is that a non-Jewish slave, upon being freed, converts and becomes a fully-fledged Jew. And so in general, he would be a valid witness. However, when it comes to Kirush HaChodesh, it might not be so simple, as the story now indicates. The Beistin, made up of Koyanim, accepted Truvio Harofa and his son, even though they were relatives, so that is like the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. However, Fosloes Avdoi, they invalidated his freed slave, because they held that in order to give testimony for Kirush HaChodesh, one must be descended from Jewish ancestors. There are certain things for which one needs to have a line of Jewish ancestors, such as being a Dayan, being a judge on a basin. And according to the basin of the Kanin, this applies to Kiddush HaChodesh as well. Now, in general, Kiddush HaChodesh and the Rish Chodesh is declared only by the main basin, the Sanhedrin not the basin of Koyanim. So it's likely that they just sort of checked in the basin of the Koyanim about the validity of his son and his freed slave. And this is what they told Tuvio Harofa, not necessarily that he actually went there in order to declare the Rish and to testify to them, but that this is what they told him is the halacha. However, when they came and they arrived at the basin, the Sanhedrin, the major basin, they accepted him, Tuvia and his slave, because they held that even though he does not have Jewish ancestors, he is still a valid witness. But, they invalidated his son, because they held, like, the opinion of the Chachomim, of the Tanakama, that Kravim relatives are invalid witnesses, also when it comes to Kiddush HaChodesh. Mishnah the discussion of invalid witnesses continues into this Mishnah, and another form of invalid witness is a Balavira somebody who has committed certain averus, and the Torah says that a Rosha cannot be a witness. Now what's defined as a Rosha? So the truth is, elsewhere in the Torah, when the Torah discusses the punishment of Malchus, lashes, which is given for many, many forms of Avera, the Torah calls the person who receives Malchus a Rosha. And so we see that anybody who has violated an Avera, for which the punishment is Malchus, he is considered to be an invalid witness, at least until he receives Malchus, possibly once he has been lashed and received his punishment, so then he's no longer called a Rosha, and therefore he would be a valid witness, at least according to some opinions. The folks of this Mishnah are those who are invalid Midirabonon, because in order to be invalid Midiraisa, one has to really realize what Avera he is committing, and realize that it is wrong. The examples the Mishnah will give are people who genuinely don't realize the severity of their Avera, and therefore mid so they are still valid witnesses. However, mid they are they are invalid. As the Mishnah Elohim Absolim, the following are invalid witnesses, mid Number one, Amasachik Bakuvya, which literally means one who plays with dice. This refers to a gambler who is a professional gambler who has no other occupation. So all the money that he gets, he gets from gambling. So in general, somebody like this lacks the feeling of shame. He causes lots of people to lose their money, and doesn't really feel bad about it at all, and he hasn't got shame, so we would suspect him of perhaps taking a bribe to testify falsely. He wouldn't be afraid or ashamed of doing such a thing, and therefore Midrabonon, he is considered to be an invalid witness. Number two, a Malvibiribis, one who lends money, and the same would go for somebody who borrows money with interest. It's forbidden with Eraisa to either lend or even borrow money with interest, that means that the borrower ends up paying more than he actually borrowed. But although the Avera is Mid-Eraisa, since he doesn't necessarily realize the severity of the Avera, he justifies himself by saying that's what people generally do. It's not considered to be stealing any money. 
So he's only considered invalid midrabanon. Thirdly, umafrichayinim, those who race doves. This is a form of gambling, and so again, he would be an invalid witness midrabanon. Vesoychari shavies, those who do business with shmita produce, which is forbidden midraisa. And the reason why he is only invalid midrabanon is because, again, he does not realize the severity of his Avera. The prohibition of doing business with the Shemitah produce is not written explicitly in the Torah. It's midaraisa and it's learnt from Pesukim, but it's not written clearly and explicitly in the Torah. And as well as that, the money which he would get from selling the Shemitah produce, he would still treat with the regular restrictions on Shemitah money. So he doesn't realize he's doing anything wrong, and therefore midaraisa he's still a valid witness, but midrabonon he is invalid. And finally, the Avodim, non-Jewish slaves, they have the same status as Jewish women. They're obligated in all the mitzvahs which women are obligated in. But just like women are invalid witnesses, so too non-Jewish slaves are invalid witnesses. Now, having listed all of the witnesses who are invalid midrabanon, the Mishnah does end off by telling us that there are certain cases where they would actually be believed. And Zerachlal, this is the rule, only a testimony for which a woman would not be believed, and she would not be valid to give that testimony. Also, the people we just listed would not be valid to give testimony about those things. However, cases where women would be believed, these people would also be trusted. There are certain cases where even a single witness, who is a woman, would be believed. For example, to give testimony that a particular man died in order that his wife be able to remarry. So we are lenient in order that she be able to remarry. And even a single witness, and even a woman, is believed. So these people who are invalid when you are born on generally, they would be valid for such a testimony just like women.